All right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you this morning again for your blessings, for your mercy and your grace. As we dive into your word this morning, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, help it to sink deep, deep into our hearts, Lord. Because uh, our ultimate goal is, Lord, we must want to serve you. You've made us for that very purpose, Lord. So I just ask uh, that you use these words today to guide us in that aspect of our lives. And we'll just give you all the honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this morning, we're going to diverge a little bit from Second uh, Thessalonians. Um, Scott asked me if I would uh, teach something else just to, because uh, he wanted to stay in Second Thessalonians. And um, so I had my choice of all kinds of different things. I thought about teaching about light and darkness. I thought about teaching something related to worship. But a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, reading one of my devotions, and uh, it actually talked about uh, Jude and about uh, the things that were happening in the church at the time that um, post-Jesus post uh, were happening in the church there. And, and I thought it was uh, very appropriate to what it, the things that are happening uh, today, uh, not only in our churches, but, but in our word in our world. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, that's where we're going to go today. And um, Jude is um, a book that falls right in between uh, Third John, the third epistle of John, and Revelation. It's the book right before Revelation. And um, so, if you'll turn there, we'll just get started with verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, and the brother of James. So we're going to get down in, in verse 3 and here in a little bit, but the theme of, of Jude is to contend earnestly for the faith. We'll see that in, in verse 3. And, and what that means is there were all kinds of, of apostasies that were happening. In other words, false teachers were trying to come into the church um, around where Jude was at and, and they were trying to uh, put forth all kinds of crazy doctrines and things that, that were uh, totally against the Word of God and um, these were affecting uh, individuals as well as the churches and uh, we know many of the epistles uh, that Paul wrote addressed this same thing. At this particular time, it was uh, a group called the Gnostics that, that were um, trying to infiltrate into the church and, and put forth uh, things that, like I said, again, they, they were against God, they, they were against His Word, and they were against everything He stood for. Um, now Jude, as it says, the very first word of, of the verse is Jude. And we know there were about four people named Jude or Judas that, that are mentioned in the Bible. But we can kind of pare them down to there were only two that were mentioned uh, that could be this Jude that wrote uh, this particular epistle. And we can narrow it down further uh, because... Um, Jude in verse 17 we know one of the Jews or Judas's was an apostle and in verse 17 uh, later on in, in uh, our reading today uh, it talk, Jude kind of uh, goes to the fact that he's not an apostle and so that leaves him as the brother of James and the brother of James was the leader of the Jerusalem church at that time, and he also wrote the book of James. And, um, but first of all, I wanted to talk a little bit about being a bondservant, and we've talked about that before, um, being a bondservant of, of the Lord and of Jesus Christ, which Jude says he is. And a bondservant um, in that day, uh, the, the Greek word is doulos, and it, it actually means slave. And we know in Exodus 21 that uh, 
Moses talked about, you know, the rules governing slaves and the rules that governed slaves at that time in the, in the ancient church was that it's nothing like what we think of slavery in our day and age now. But these, these guys, sometimes there may have been a financial burden on a family and that family would, in lack, for lack of a better word, they would kind of sign themselves over to somebody uh, to meet that financial need that they needed and they would work for that person and they called it slavery but the cool thing about it was uh, this could only last because of what Moses said that it could only last for six years and then at the end of that six years uh, on the seventh year that uh, that slave would be released and that was that was the law of the land and so that that's uh, where I'm going with this is uh, also at the end of that seventh year or at, during that seventh year uh, this guy could say hey you know I've never had it so good with the guy I'm serving and so what happens he he by his own free will and by uh, uh, his own uh, for life he says to the guy I, I want to stay with you forever and that's what he does he uh, he can do that and he, and he can continue to to serve uh, this guy that, that he was signed over to and and how does that relate to us well we need to think of ourselves just as Jude did Paul called himself a bondservant of Christ he of course he was also an apostle but what it means is we're, we're giving ourselves over to Jesus our, our whole life by, by our free will. Nobody's holding a gun to our head to do that. You know, Jesus has called us, and because he's called us, that's, that's what we want to do. That's what we, we want to be with him. We want to serve him, and we want to do what he needs us to do in this life of ours. Uh, he goes on to say um, that he's the brother of James. And again, I, I mentioned that he was... Uh, uh, leader of the Jerusalem church at that time but he was also Jesus's half-brother and and so you know if I'm Jesus's half-brother dude I'm I'm you didn't know it by now already if I was Jesus's half-brother <laughs> I would have me a t-shirt that said I am Jesus's half-brother <laughs> on it or something you know but you know that's carnal uh, you know that's the carnality coming out in me so uh, we don't know whether Jude uh, why he didn't mention that whether he was just um, because of his humility but there's another reason possibly that that he um, didn't allude to the fact that he was Jesus half-brother and that was because uh, if you remember there's there's two or three different places. Um, John 7 is the one that comes to my mind most that talks about how um, Jesus' brothers at that time, Jesus would come in for the Feast of the Tabernacles and he was trying to, you know, he was doing his thing and teaching and all, but his brothers were all mocking him and they didn't, they didn't believe that he was you know the Messiah basically and and so they were mocking him and and telling him hey if you're the Messiah well go you know do save us you know do do your thing and 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 let us do uh, you know we don't want to hear about it unless unless you're taken over you know of course they all thought that at that time that uh, Jesus was going to be um, you know take over as a king but as we know that that wasn't his purpose and uh, so anyway he could have Jude could have possibly been ashamed of that fact that, that he mocked him um, but it could have been as well that it was just his humility that, that he didn't mention that um, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, he goes on uh, further to say. 
Um, he's writing to all Christians. And again, we're going to get into this more and more about how the false teachers are coming in and trying to lead all these, uh, whoever they can, away from, from, the, uh, from the church, the Christian church, the church that is sanctified by God. Um, those who are called, we are the ones that are called. You know, we're called uh, by God. We accepted that calling. And so when we accepted that calling, then, we're, then we were sanctified by him. And when we were sanctified by God, that means we're set apart. That's what sanctification means. We're set apart by God the Father. And not only that, but we're preserved in Jesus Christ. And, and what's that mean? That means that um, God is going to carry us through no matter what our situation here on earth is. You know, we, we think so many times now about all these things that are happening in our world and how they affect us. And, you know, it's the economy and how much we're paying for gas and, and what's happening in Russia. And all these things are important. They really are important. But we have to, in our lives, realize that because God is preserving us, He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of our needs and whatever. He said, you know, he clothed, clothes the flowers of the field and, and, and glory. And he takes care of the sparrows and feeds them. And how much more so is he going to take care of us? Because, because he loves us. He knows us. He knows every hair on our head. And, and because he's called us, um, we don't have to worry. Uh, when we accept that calling. The false teachers, they're all trying to, to pull people away from uh, what, what uh, God is teaching and, and what the Word tells us. Um, again, we're, we're when we're sanctified, we're, we're instruments to be used by God. And, um, and it's... It's not because of anything we've done in our lives. We know that we're only saved by grace and that not of ourselves. That is not of ourselves, but it's only the grace of God and it's a gift from Him that He gave us that we're not worthy of. Um, in verse 2, uh, it says, Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And Jude just wants us to know that um, He's... He's talking to us in love and uh, that we, we don't need to be uh, discouraged in this life of ours. So now we're going to go on to verse 3. Verse 3 says, uh, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. So here we see... Jude started out to write this letter to talk to everybody about salvation. And, you know, he might have went on to say, man, you, you guys are saved by grace and, you know, God loves you and, and you're preserved, you're sanctified, uh, you're loved and, and, you know, all these great, great things. But somewhere when he, while he was writing that, uh, he found a necessity, or God put it on his heart, I'm sure, that he needed to change the, what his message was in this epistle and uh, talk about the false apostles, or the, the false uh, teachers instead. And uh, so he goes on to say, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. So, again, I, I mentioned it earlier, that's, that's kind of the theme of this whole book, is to contend earnestly for the faith. And what's that mean? Uh, first of all, contend earnestly. Uh, there's one word in the, um, in the Greek that... that is in, is in the Greek Bible that, that talks about contend earnestly. And uh, that word is where we get our word agonize from. So what he's really saying is to agonize earnestly for the faith. Um, 
And what was the faith that we were talking about? That faith which was once all delivered to the saints, that's the apostles' doctrine that we're talking about. That's the word of God. That is what the apostles were teaching and preaching, and that's what we have right here. That's what we have right here. Everything we have, all the truths uh, are in this book right here. So, uh, and we're, we're responsible uh, we, we must take a responsibility for this in our lives, not only in our own personal lives, but we need to help others as well. You know, over the years, there's been thousands and thousands of saints that died just so we can have this Bible that we have right now. And there's still people that are dying today because of, you know, they're being persecuted because... Uh, they, there's people that don't want the Bible to get out there. And these are false teachers. These are people that want to be in control of lives. These are people uh, that, that hate God, really. They, they, they don't want anything to do with the Lord. And um, they, they just they don't want the truth to be proclaimed um, out there. Um, again, many went before us and died for this cause. And one of the ones I think of the most, you know, we need to... It's hard for us to imagine how much um, persecution that the ancients went through uh, to, to get us to where we're at now. But I, one of the guys I think of is Stephen in Acts 7. You know, when we... When we agonize and contend earnestly, when we agonize earnestly for this faith, um, we need to go to our dying grave with this. And that's exactly what Stephen did in Acts 7. He, he went through, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but, but you know, he talked about... Um, Moses and all through the history of Israel he went all through the history of Israel uh, talking to these Pharisees and you know showing them where you know about the Messiah and and how they killed the Messiah and and then at the very end he said uh, you know he saw heaven opened up and he saw God and and that, that just sent him into a frenzy and, and shortly after that they stoned him to death. Uh, but he stayed true to the faith. He did uh, what each of us should be willing to do. Now I know that's a hard thing to think that we should die for, for what we believe in. But if we, if, if we give in to, to the world and, and if we give in to a false teacher that leads us away uh, from the true word of God, then, you know, what good is our lives anyway? I mean, uh, these th anything that, that these false teachers were teaching was, it was mainly about carnality and about, you know, what you know, what was best for our bodies, what, you know, what, what we should do or shouldn't do with our bodies. And um, we need to fight for what we believe in, and uh, it's a battle we can't afford to lose because uh, if, we, if it's lost, it's... Uh, I remember, um, I think Scott talked about, I was looking back over some notes when, when he taught uh, this and I didn't realize it had been uh, gosh it's been over 10 years ago since he taught this book and uh, he mentioned that Warren Rearsby uh, called where we're at here on earth it's not a playground but it's a battleground and and uh, I wanted to read uh, in Ephesians uh, 6 chapter 6 uh, and starting in verse 10 it talks about um, you know Paul talks about uh, what this life is and what we need to be doing it says for the death that he died Jesus he died to, to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to God likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. So, 
you know, that's what, again, that's what all these false teachers were trying to teach. And we're going to get into this here in just a second about the Gnostics and, and what they, their weirded out ideas that they had. Verse 4 says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how they do it. You know, they creep in unnoticed. They come in and looking like the light you know that their light is shining and you know that they're all believing in what what we're teaching here and everything but they're sly and they're crafty and they don't really believe that they want to get a foothold in to where they can kind of spread this false doctrine that they that they want to spread and then you know just by getting one or two people, it can multiply. We know uh, about God and obedience and how one little thing, you know, sin is like, um, like the leaven, it's like the yeast. And just a little bit spreads and it can contaminate a whole church. It can contaminate a family. It can contaminate everything that Jesus stands for. You know, Jesus talked about it as well when he talked about the wheat and the tares and, and uh, how the tares were sown in amongst the wheat and, and how um, they, it appears like, you know, there's nothing wrong until they raise up and then it destroys the whole wheat crop. Um, Satan, he's, the, he's behind all this. He's, he's the guy that's crafty. He's sly. We know that from the very first, from Genesis chapter 3, that, that he's tricky and, and he can, um, he's the father of lies, bottom line. He's the father of lies. Um, and again, it talks about here, um, they crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men. That's, that's, the, that's the point right there. They're ungodly men. And uh, these guys, the Gnostics, were, they kind of fell into two categories. There was one category of guys that uh, they were kind of legalists. And they felt like that... Um, you know the body there was nothing good in the body and they had to beat the body up and and you know I don't know where they did weird stuff like cut it or not but but they felt like there was nothing good in the body and and they just beat themselves up and they were in ang angry and in anguish all the time because of that but then the other uh, group um, you know they they the other group of guys they they thought about that for a while and they said hey we can come up with something better than this you know we're we're uh, you know we don't want to beat ourselves up and feel like that we want we want we want to feel good right we want we want something to feel good in our lives so what they decided uh, that they everything done in the body since the body was was bad but the, they they believed the body was bad and the spirit was good and so they said well you know well, we're in the body here on this earth, so we'll just do whatever we want to, you know, no matter what we do. We just, we just read about it in, in uh, Romans there, you know. Do we keep sinning to, to get God's grace? No, absolutely not. Uh, but that's what these guys thought. That they're, you know, they they decided that the body was was bad, and and that but anything they did in the body, um, they were going into a spirit world later on, and you know that would take care of whatever they'd done here on earth. That's that's the epitome of grace turning into loose, turning in the grace of God into lewdness. And again, they want to deny the only Lord God and our Jesus Christ. They, they want to deny everything he stands for, everything he taught, 
and everything uh, they want they were rejected uh, the, the resurrection and everything that, that it stood for and uh, you know people uh, these kind of people are around everywhere we're seeing it nowadays uh, even more than ever I think about uh, no, I'm going to get to that in just a minute but uh, going on uh, but I, in verse 5 he says but I want to remind you though you once knew this and that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe so now he's going to go on to give us some examples of people who in, in the Old Testament times who did not contend earnestly for the faith uh, and he starts out with uh, in the history of Israel with uh, we all remember when um, God was faithful to take after all the ten plagues in Egypt and everything he was faithful to take the people out of Egypt and and he blessed them with manna he blessed them with quail he did all this stuff and then when, when they were ready to go in to the, the promised land well uh, you know they decided instead of just going in and taking it like God had told them that they could do well they sent ten spies into the land uh, you, as you remember and to spy it out and so they went in and came back and Joshua and Caleb all said hey man God's right it's a land with milk and honey and let's let's do it let's go on in but what happened there were ten the other ten guys you know all said oh there's a giants in that land and I don't know why they might they might stomp us like little grasshoppers and and I don't think we should go up there and so what happened they didn't go what happened further because of ten guys you know at that time there were probably two to three million uh, Hebrews two to three million Jews that, that were on this journey and because of those ten guys two million people decided I mean they almost stoned Caleb and and uh, Joshua because of uh, because of what they were saying that we should go on in but that's how much that uh, just one or two or ten people can permeate and and take ten two million people and what what happened after that that ge that whole generation was lost you know as, as you remember they they were all they all died in the wilderness but because they didn't uh, believe what what God had told them and what's the application again for us it's a few people can influence many and folks it's, it's like the false doctrine or the false well they were preaching false doctrine but these false teachers were coming in one guy two guys uh, was it I think it was just one woman that managed to get the uh, Ten Commandments taken out of of schools if I remember right don't quote me on that because I'm not positive about that but I, th I think it was just one woman started uh, and, and and that happened I think of one one man I think of in history uh, who did that to a whole nation was Adolf Hitler I mean and he he was an opportunist and he exploited the people of his country and he caused the death of millions and millions of people um, because of what what he did um, verse 6 says and the angels who did not keep their d proper domain but left their own abode he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day so this is kind of speaking of um, Satan and his angels and you can read more about that in uh, Isaiah chapter 14 um, bottom line here is that you know Satan wanted to be equal with God and and so 
he was um, he had in, in Isaiah 14 he said has all these I will I will I will I will I, I'm gonna do this I'll do this I'll do this and finally he said I will be like God and so anyone who elevates their ideas above the Word of God it's it's totally blasphemy and it sows discontent and uh, that pride and that control infects the world and it also infects our churches as well I mean um, but, but it's just pride-based rebellion uh, and rebellion we know we've talked about it here so many times that rebellion against God uh, never works out uh, and especially when it's in prideful um, verse 7 he says as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire so here again we just have a, another group of people who didn't contend earnestly for the faith they fell into uh, sexual immorality and uh, homosexuality and um, just ungodly passion um, and this is just another ref reflection of what the false teachers, the Gnostics, were, were teaching. That all that was okay as long as you did it, you know, uh, here on earth. And, you know, you're, we just know our flesh is not, not bad or it's not good. And, but that, that was, again, false doctrine uh, that they were... I, I, it reminds me of the judges... Uh, you know, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And I think we're seeing that so much here in our country as well today. Um, if it makes you happy, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about it. Uh, they, they have, many people have no fear of God and they have no fear of etern eternity because they, evidently, they don't believe in eternity. Um, but again, here, you know, uh, even even in our churches, uh, they're starting to cave in to some of these things. Um, I know a person in my family. I, I'm not going to mention their name, but I know they go to a church that has a lesbian for a pastor. And I don't understand that. But again, that's how things can get all turned around. And... That's how somehow or another somebody infiltrated into this church and told them, hey, that's okay to do. So, you know, you don't have to worry about it. God's forgiven everybody, everything. But we know that's not, it's not right. God can forgive everything, but when you're teaching these kind of things as the gospel that is not right and God's not going to forgive those kind of things um, go on to verse 8 um, likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries so we get to talking about now some of the characteristics of these guys they're dreamers they're, they don't live in the reality of, of what is going on right now uh, and they also they reject the authority especially the authority of the Bible and uh, you know especially if it doesn't line up with their ideas if you know and we're see, we see that so much in this world today. And that's why, you know, especially in the United States, uh, everything is divided now. Because, well, if you don't believe what I believe, well, then you're with them. And it's us and it's them. And, and we can't continue to go uh, on like that. And, and I don't think we can go on like that and survive as a nation, honestly. That's just my opinion. Uh, they they want to again reject the authority, and you know, something maybe we should think about sometimes is how do we treat authority in our lives? 
we know that God puts people in authority, right? I mean, he's, he's faithful to do that. Now, even if these people that are in authority don't line up with what we think, well, okay, that's fine, but, you know, and we've talked about it before, even though you don't agree with what they think, that means you don't, you have to continue to realize that God placed those people there, and it's, you know, it's up to him, not up to us to, to do something about it. Um, verse 9 goes on to say, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a, a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So this goes back to um, uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 34. It was uh, when Moses died and they buried him. And they buried him somewhere where nobody else knew where he was buried at. And, because, and why they did that, it was because of the fear that, you know, this, somebody was going to come in and set up a shrine to Moses and then they would... Uh, we, we know the Jews are, you know, they're prone to worship idols, you know. And so, I mean, again, I talked about a Wednesday. They were worshiping a cow at one point, And, you know, even Aaron uh, made up that golden calf when Moses was gone longer than, than they thought he should be. And they didn't know where he was at. Um, but again, um, how... I just think to myself, every time I think about worshiping a cow, I think about going into a cow pasture, and I think, no way I'm going to worship a cow. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's why where Moses is buried, nobody knows where it's at. So somehow or another, you know, Satan came to Michael, this angel, and said, you know, you don't have any right to not tell us where Moses is buried. I want to take him and take him over there somewhere else. And, um, but again, it's, it's craziness because uh, Satan, um, he doesn't stand on the Word of God and, and uh, he wants to be contentious. He wants to stir up things. And um, what, what Michael did here and what Jude tells us is, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Satan is a dangerous foe. And um, we, have to, we have to understand that. We have to understand Satan is dangerous. And, and maybe it's best we leave the Lord uh, to deal with him. And, I mean, if Archangel Michael thinks that, that's, that's good enough for me. Uh, you know, Jesus is our advocate, and he will intercede on our behalf because he is love and he is God. In verse 10, it says, But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. Again, we're talking about these characteristics of these false teachers. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. Again, they mock what they don't understand. They, they try to, um, if they can't twist things around to the way that uh, they, uh, their own thinking, or they don't, they can't, they don't have a good argument, to, to uh, you know, dispel the truth, well then they just, they just mock at people. And um, I mean, he says it here, they're like brute, brute beasts. They live like animals and they're slaves to their flesh. I mean, that's, that's what they are. It's I want, I want, I want, just as, just as Satan said, I will, I will, I will. They're saying, I want, I want, and I'm going to do what I want. And if it, again, if it, it makes me feel good, then, hey, uh, it can't be that bad. That's uh, Cheryl Crow said that. <laughs> Verse 11, um, woe to them. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. 
They've run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Here again, he gives three more examples of men who only thought about themselves. Um, Cain, as you remember, um, he offered uh, a, uh, an offering to God that wasn't what God wanted. You know, Abel offered a good thing, but Cain thought um, he, had, he had something just as good, but in God's eyes it wasn't. And it was because his heart wasn't right. And he was, again, he was trying to devise his own approach to God. And uh, he wanted his way and he wanted his opinion uh, to how he wanted to offer this, excuse me, this offering. And, and not the way God wanted it presented. And we see what happened to him. God, God desires obedience and not sacrifice. Uh, Balaam, that's a long story about Balaam. He, um, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but we know that uh, a guy named Balak, uh, he was a Moabite king and he wanted uh, to defeat Israel. Uh, you know, he hated Israel and he, he enlisted uh, Balaam to try and go out and, and uh, pronounce a curse upon him. You know, he tried that three times, but it didn't work. And what uh, Balaam finally told Balak was, you can't defeat Israel from without. You have to defeat them from within. So what did he do? He, he told Balak what you need to do. You need to send, take some of your Moabite women. Because Balaam did know one thing about God. That he was a jealous God. And so what he did was he told Balak. Hey you need to get your Moabite women. And need to get them to take your idols. And you need to take them and... Uh, go in to the young men of the Israelites and um, you know have sexual encounters with them and and then you know you'll turn them over that way you'll turn them uh, to idols and that's that's what happened um, he, he sent the women led some of them astray and they they did idol worship but what was the result of that First of all, Balaam did it for greed and for money. He didn't, I mean, he didn't care anything about Israel. He didn't care, all, all he was looking at was cash, you know. He wanted to be rich. So he got his riches, and we know later on in Scripture he was killed. But uh, uh, tw because of the sin of the Israelites, and because God is a jealous God, there were 24,000 uh, of the Israelites. Israelites that died from a plague. Greed can be something that, I mean, we th I think about the rich man that came to Jesus and he just, he didn't want to give up his riches. He, he had kept all the other things, but he couldn't give up his riches. Finally, uh, it talks about Korah, the rebellion of Korah. And Korah was another guy. Um, he was a Levite. And he was a guy that actually had tremendous uh, privileges. Um, but what did he do? He contended with Moses and Aaron. He said, hey, why are you guys running everything? Uh, you know, uh, it's too much for you. You shouldn't have authority over everybody. And so he led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. It was his pride and uh, is what defeated him. And again, these uh, false uh, teachers that were coming in, that was one of the things that they were trying to talk uh, guys into. They wanted them to rebel against the system, uh, rebel against the truth. And, and um, you know, uh, pride is and, and greed are two things that are... Um, characteristics that we don't want to see especially in our churches today or ever one funny thing about Korah if you remember uh, the earth opened up and swallowed him and that dispels that myth that you can't take it with you because he took all his possessions with him 
<laughs> but I don't think he could use them, though. Uh, going on, um, verse 12, these are spots, these are spots in your love feasts while they feast with you without fear, serving only they, themselves. They are clouds without water carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And again, here we're just seeing more characteristics of the apostates. Uh, they're making a mockery out of the Lord's Supper. Um, they're, they're like dark clouds, but they don't produce any rains. They, they promise and promise and promise, but they never deliver uh, on, on their promises. And uh, they're not able to produce fruit. And why is that? Because they're dead. They're dead in their hearts. Their lives are dead. And uh, they, they, Jesus told us, uh, you'll know men by their fruit. And um, so going on, uh, verse 13, it talks about shooting stars. Uh, Again, we see guys that they're all puffed up and they come up for a little while, but then they're gone. Uh, and whether they're discovered that their ploys didn't work or, um, you know, but it also says um, um, they're reserved, whom is, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. In other words, they're going to end up in hell because of what they're doing. Um, chapter four, or verse fourteen. And now Enoch, the servant, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, "Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way." and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So, he kind of got the ungodly word going in, in those verses. Um, God defines what godliness is. And uh, all these guys were ungodly. And again, they're going to end up in a place eventually where they don't want to be at. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. And gosh, we know of all kinds of people that like to butter us up. They like to tell us what we want to hear. And whenever you find somebody that's like that, um, it's not good. Um, they want you to love what they love, and they... they um, flatter you to try and bring you over to their way of thinking. Um, the apostles spoke of uh, the mockers uh, again here that talks about if you can't explain it away, if you can't explain um, uh, away, mock it. They love their sin too much and there's again there's so much division today. Um, and actually, uh, it talks about that in, uh, on, in verse 17 and on. It says, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. Um, and again, we talked about uh, divisions and, and unity before. There's, there's so many people uh, now, and especially in our country, that are just, uh, they're hung up on one people divided. They don't, they don't want to see people come together because that might uh, bring about the destruction of whatever it is that they're trying to put forth. And if you're not on their side, it's us and them. You're on somebody else, 
somebody else's side. So we need to keep our antennas up about that and, and beware of, of people who try to flatter us, people who try to mock the Word of God, and, uh, and people who love to sin. Is there some hope? Well, he goes on in uh, verse 20 to tell us what we need to be doing. It says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. How do we stay protected? We stay in the Word. That's the number one thing. That's why I love our church. That's why I love Cornerstone Community Fellowship because we teach the Word and what is found in the Word, the truth. The truth is what's found in the Word. And the Bible is something we can rely on and we can go to it when we don't know something or when we're torn about an idea, a thought that we're having or something that like again these false teachers or somebody out in the world is trying to tell you something. The answers are right here in the Word of God. And uh, he, what else can we do? Pray in the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, Romans tells us that when we pray, that sometimes we don't know what to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us and, and will pray with us. And I know it's something that I am not faithful enough to do is, is to pray. Uh, Drew talked about it a little bit this morning, and, and he's right. We, when, we're, when we're praying, we need to be, be thinking about God's goodness. Now, we need intercessory prayer as well, but we need to be thinking about how much God's done for us and be praying those things in, in, into our lives. And the Holy Spirit will, will uh, when we do pray and we're faithful, the, the Spirit will just um, lift us up. He will help us to pray and, and do what needs to be done and pray what needs to be prayed. Um, Something else that I know I'm not faithful to do that I need to do is when I pray, uh, when I'm done praying, uh, almost every day, and I'll admit it, I, when I'm done praying, I'm jumping up and I'm going and doing something. I'm either going outside to work or I'm exercising or I'm doing, you know, I'm doing whatever. And what I should be doing is when I'm done praying, I need to just close my eyes and I need to think and wait really I don't even need to think I just need to wait and hear what the Lord might speak to me because we don't know the Lord might have something special for you that you either read about that day or you prayed about but if if you don't wait for him to give you an answer how are you gonna find out what you know the answer to that prayer might be so be diligent to do that. Be faithful to wait and listen for an answer. Um, the two or three different uh, uh, commentaries and guys I listened to, uh, I thought was totally cool about um, an analogy they made about God and His commandments. And um, I think it was originally... Chuck Smith had talked about it. Um, I guess there's a hymn that says, uh, stay under the spout where the blessings come out. And uh, it's so true. If, you know, God has all kinds of blessings that he wants to give us. But if we don't stay under that spout where the blessings are coming out, then we're not getting those blessings. You know, if we move over this way, well, the blessings are coming out over here. Or if we move over this way, the blessings are coming out over here. And we're not receiving those blessings. Stay in the Word of God, people. Stay in prayer. And, stay, and most of all, what God has commanded, we need to be faithful to keep. And those blessings then... Now, I'm not... 
whenever I say this, I think about, uh, uh, I don't want to get in, uh, there's these other guys that talk about prosperity doctrine, and, and I don't want to get into that. I, I don't, I don't know a lot about the prosperity doctrine, but I know some, there is a doctrine out there that they say, as long as you're doing what God wants you to do, blah, 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 that you're going to see receive blessings. And, and if you're not, then you're not receiving. Well, in certain ways that's true, but um, I don't believe that, I do believe that God puts trials and tribulations in our life. And just because we're having those trials or tribulations, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're falling away from God. You know, sometimes God puts these things, I mean, look at Job, you know. He was a man of integrity. He, he uh, didn't give up his integrity. He did everything the Lord thought he would do. And he did have a couple of issues there. But he, he went through a lot of things that I'm not sure I could have gone through. Uh, but he stayed faithful to the Lord and that was, that's the thing we want to do. We want to stay faithful to the Lord in all that we say and all that we do and we want to stay under that water spout. Um, and then verse 22 it says, and on some have compassion making a dis distinction but others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So here he, he's just talking about when, when you're uh, testifying to other people um, sometimes you know you need to do it in a gentle manner and you need to have compassion on them on people but then there's other people that you may need to be a little I don't want to say harsh but they may they may need a little more exhortation or or cajoling than a person that that you feel like that you can talk to and and just love on and some people you can love on and and bring them into the word um, but other people may be more uh, standoffish about it and and I don't know you don't want to preach fear but you also you also want you know God's desire is for all of us to be saved right his word tells us that and and we want to whatever we do bottom line we want to do it in love right finally uh, Jude gives us this beautiful uh, doxology starting verse 24 it says now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Um, God is able. We sang about it this morning. He's able to, to do all things, to pull us out of any, uh, any problem we're going through. Um, he doesn't always do it in our timing. He doesn't always do it in the way that we would like to see it done. But we have to remember that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And as Scott said so many times, he sees the big picture, whereas we don't see the big picture. Um, following the Lord, you know, he, he says it here in verse 24, uh, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. One day, we're all going to be standing with God in heaven, and it's going to be exceeding joy that we're going to be experiencing at that time. Um, what false teachers have, they don't have anything that's going to compare to that. Um, God's blessings are rich. God's word is true. And we must continue in this life to contend earnestly for each and everything. Uh, we also need to rem remember that righteous living is not defined by anything other than God's Word. And finally, uh, 
God always desires for us to give Him the glory for everything. And we want to do that today, tomorrow, and every day because He is the Sovereign Lord and He's in control of things and uh, because He is in control of things when we stay close to Him we have nothing to fear. So Lord we just thank You this day that You are in control. I thank you for Jude, Lord, and, and for the truths that, that he has told us, the examples he's given us uh, of those who did not contend for the faith. They did not anguish and contend earnestly for the faith. And Lord, it's because of their carnal desires their desires for rebellion and greed and, and just jealousy, so many things that, that draw us away from you, Lord. But Lord, we want to stay close to you. We want to be in prayer with your Holy Spirit. Uh, we want to want to build ourselves up with your word, Lord. Help us to do that, Lord, each and every day uh, because, because you have sanctified us and you're preserving us for that time when we will experience that exceeding joy uh, in heaven, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you are, for all that you uh, will be, Lord. And uh, I just thank you for all these things. And it's in Jesus' mighty and holy name I pray. Amen. So have an awesome, awesome week.